Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the show. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Katie Murray. Katie is a copywriter extraordinaire, and she's very kindly joining us today to talk through the very important area of LinkedIn and your LinkedIn profile. But before we get into all of that, Katie, thanks very much for joining me. No problem at all, but lovely to be here. Yeah. And whereabouts are you based in this world? I am based in Warwick in the UK. Oh, lovely. Is that Warwick Castle? Is that right? Yeah, literally just down the road. <laughs> now, I'm trying to remember if that was the place that freaked me out the most when I was a kid traveling through the UK, because there was a dungeon down the bottom and it was just oh, horrible. It should be. It has got a dungeon. So yeah, yeah. It's they were so lovely back in those times. We end up there because my toddler loves Sog and it's got Sog Land. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. So yeah, Katie, we're going to be diving into LinkedIn, particularly around the LinkedIn profile. I got my views. I think it's hugely important, but let me throw it to you. Why do you think it's so important to optimize a LinkedIn profile? So I think for me, LinkedIn is one of those things that particularly in the HR community, people know about it. They use it quite often for recruitment when they're actually kind of doing their consulting work. So they might go and check out a potential candidate or that sort of thing. But when it comes to running your business, it's a really important tool actually getting people to look at who you are and kind of understand a little bit more about how you work, what you do, what you've got to offer. And the thing that I've noticed over the last few years is there's a lot of people who still use it more as their CV than they do as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. For me, it's a critical marketing tool, particularly if LinkedIn is where your clients are, right? Because... You can have conversations, you can get referrals, you can get into a room with people, but that doesn't always give enough for people to follow up with. Yeah, you maybe get a couple of minutes conversation and that's kind of it. And then, you know, unless you're really proactive, then people aren't going to follow up. Hmm. So it's about remaining front of mind. It's about getting really clear on who you are, what you've got to offer, who you're there to help. And giving your clients and potential clients a bit of a flavor of who you are and what it would be like to work with you, I found it really useful as a marketing tool, both when I was an HR consultant and now as a copywriter. Mm. But I know a lot of HR consultants who are the same. When they've actually gone through and they made those changes and they've really thought about what it is that they're trying to use their LinkedIn profile for, it's made a massive difference to their business because they suddenly start talking to people that they weren't really talking to before. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I should point out for listeners that you have an HR background as well as being a copywriter. So do you want to just give us a quick overview of that, not the life history or anything, but just the fact that you've got that HR expertise because, in fact, you work primarily as a copywriter for the HR market, let's say. So Yeah, I do. So I've spent a lot of my career in HR then. I've done some specialist roles, some generalist roles in small businesses up to kind of quite big corporate businesses. And as part of that, I guess I've got a good understanding of all of the HR backgrounds. So everything from running performance management and absence issues right through to doing massive restructures, acquiring other businesses, doing cheapy, that sort of stuff. And 
Part of the reason why I moved into copywriting is because I fell out of love of doing the actual HR, but I still really love the industry. I love the people in the industry because there are some amazing HR people out there who are now on their own. And actually what they're struggling to do is get themselves known for who they are because they're so used to doing things like writing a policy or sending a letter to somebody or writing a contract. And it's quite hard to break yourself out of that and start to really selling yourself because sort of writing for marketing is quite a different approach. Mm. And what I identified was that actually that's something I love doing. I kind of, I love helping businesses to figure out who they are and who they want to talk to and what they want to do. And by focusing on the HR kind of community, it's something that I know. So if they start talking to me about, I want to talk about mediation, I want to talk about Chupi, I want to excel in investigations, or I want to talk about psychometrics, like all of those things are things that I innately know what they are because I've spent the best part yeah. of 20 years kind of working with them. And it just means that when we're having conversations, that my clients can relax a little bit more quickly because they don't have to waste loads of time explaining certain concepts. And it means I understand some of the challenges of getting those messages across as well, because I've had to do it. I've had to work with managers who don't get it. I've had to get buy-in from exec who aren't sure what the purpose of HR is, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it just gives me an affinity to the people that I work with. And a lot of time helps us to establish a rapport a lot quicker because I understand their market and their world. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm probably a similar story, a similar background. Yeah. Did the HR kind of... Realized I don't really like people. I don't have to deal with them. So why don't I do marketing instead? Yeah. And you said Tupi and I'm going, oh gosh, I spent a week in Basildon, gorgeous place, surrounded by trucks and warehouses doing Tupi stuff. So yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah. But for people listening to this or people watching this, having that expertise from you, I think is just such a huge advantage. You get better results, but you also cut down on the time required yeah. to bring a writer or copywriter up to speed. So absolutely hugely important. Now, LinkedIn, as you said, people treat it sometimes as a CV. So for context, people, when they're in in-house employees, an HR-related role, you know, they list out their different jobs and maybe some of the projects that they worked on and stuff like that and their activities or their tasks. It's just like a CV. But when you're moving into the running your own business world, then it needs to be much more client-focused and more yeah. on their either pain points or their aspirations and maybe a bit of both. So if we start maybe at the top, yep. people kind of forget that there's a summary. What are your thoughts on the whole summary line and what people should be putting in there? In terms of your headline, yeah, for me, that is the most important part of your profile. Right. Because particularly, I think it's about the first 150 characters, something like that. They're the ones that start to show up most. And then the first 70 in particular are the ones that literally follow you everywhere. So whenever you post on something, whenever you comment, if you add anything that kind of comes up in a feed, those are the starts of the information that comes up about who you are, what you do, and is more likely to encourage somebody to click on it. So for me, those first 70 characters in particular are absolutely critical to attracting the right audience for who you want to talk to. So whenever I'm doing a review with somebody or if I'm writing a profile for them, most of the time I actually do the headline last because 
it's easier for people to work through their about summary and kind of work out, well, what is my message? Who am I talking to? What are the things I really want to be known for? What are the things I need them to know about? And you've got more character limit, obviously, to play with in your about summary. But then once you've got into the kind of the nitty gritty of that, that's the point at which you can go, all right, so what should my headline be? Because now I've got clear in my head what my key messages are. Now I can think about how do I really nail that down to something like 220 characters, I think is the actual full limit that you've got to play with. It's not a lot, but it's surprising how much you can get in there if you're really clear on what it is you want to say. So for me, your headline is, if you change nothing else, that's the one thing you should change. Well, Katie, I didn't think that this podcast discussion would take me back to my year 12 English literature class, but the teacher there, Mr. Pate, that was his name in case you're wondering. Yeah. He always said, if you're writing a story at the end, you come and do the story title. It's interesting that, yeah, I can see the correlation. You'll work through your about, your summary, all the, your focus points. And as you were sort of alluding to earlier, you've got to focus in on your target market and what they want and all that sort of stuff. And only then will the heading become clear to you as to the right angle. Yeah. I think the other thing that I've found with working, particularly with the HR industry, is some people get really hung up on defining kind of what their ideal client is. Mm -hmm. But the way that I tend to approach it is less sort of, you must have a particular person in your head. Because I think a lot of marketers will take that approach and I think it works for some people. Of, you know, give them a name, give them an age, demographics. And there is an argument for understanding some of those things because it helps you to know a bit more about what they might be interested in, types of things you can talk about. But what I tend to find is that when it comes to HR, it's less about the specific person. It's more about the type of person that they are. So they'll sort of look for someone who has a real interest in looking after their staff. Or it'll be somebody who wants to make quick decisions and wants to be able to just drive their business forward. Somebody who wants to really focus on how they develop their team and grow their culture. So for HR people, it tends to be more about a type of person rather than having a specific sort of ideal client avatar is that sort of a phrase that people use. So it's not necessarily about having that in your head, but it's around what's the type of person that I want to speak to, you know, who are the ones that I'm going to connect with? Because for a lot of HR, their distinctive point is it's about your own approach. Mm. So it's about the way that you go about doing your business, which actually makes people kind of come to you and say, oh, that's the person I want to use. Yeah. And I found that to be quite a helpful thing to work through with people is around who is that person, but not. You know, I don't care whether you know Claire or Paul or Richard or whatever, but talk to me about what their values are. Yeah. Talk to me about how they do business, about what's important to you, about how you do business, because those are the things that need to go into your message and need to be in your about summary and ultimately then start to come through in your headline in terms of what you want to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And yeah, I can see the whole ideal client profile thing that gets done where you've got a picture of the person there and you give them a name yeah. and they like apple pies and they 
go dancing. And for me, that is useful in the sense that, you know, when you give a speech or a big presentation, they say, just picture one person up the back and maybe they're not wearing clothes or something. So you just relax that whole thing. But yeah. Normally that's frowned upon in HR. Ah, ah. All right. Fair enough. But it does help your focus narrow in rather than just sort of talking in generalisms. But yeah, yeah, I completely agree that it's trying to think about the role and their values and their aspirations. And also through the HR Business Accelerator, our process, when we're building out marketing plans, not so much the copy and so on, but the marketing plans, and we're trying to work out who we're targeting and all that sort of stuff. We also consider the roles. So we have different segments. If it's the CFO or the CEO or the HR leader or the HR administrator, because let's face it, the HR director of a big company has very different goals and resources than the HR administrator who's dealing with a hundred different queries every single day. So yeah, I I agree with that. Is it okay to segment in your LinkedIn profile? Is it okay to talk to different audiences or does it do you just have to choose one and forget all the rest? I think part of that depends on what your business model is. So I think for a lot of the people that I work with, they tend to focus on one because they're normally trying to sell a particular type of product. So whether that's retained HR services, whether it's going in to do specific types of projects, you know, I've got one business that I'm working with who they do more kind of psychometric assessments and stuff like that. So for them, it's about helping people to understand a little bit about that product. But I think it does depend. So if you're doing something where actually you want to talk to the influencers more than necessarily the people who hold the budget, then you might you might sort of mess around and have a few things in there, but you still need to be really tight on what that message is. And you don't have that many characters to play with. And I think that's the other thing. So the reason why I tend to steer my clients towards focusing on a single message is because they're often at the beginning part of that journey of really sort of understanding. And they're maybe a couple of years into their consulting life and they've got to the point where they go, this is what I want to sell. But actually then having a message that goes to a particular person or a particular type of person, for them, that's the focus. It's about getting really clear on what that is and where you're trying to get it to. And I think if you try to split it too much, then you can end up getting sort of muddying the waters and then you get into, well, people still don't quite know who you are and what you're aiming for. So for me, I'd say focus on maybe one or two at a maximum. Initially, if you're playing around with it and it's your first sort of Story of doing it away from a CV, I would say try and focus that message yeah. really tightly on one area to begin with. So if you've made that decision to narrow your focus on one area, one type, whatever, is there a framework or a, a series or a sequence that people should use for the summary? Obviously, they should use your services and work with you to do that. But in terms of the overall, <laughs> obviously, obviously, <laughs> yeah, is there a framework or a a model or an approach that they should take for the summary section where you've got that big, large space that you can talk about a bit more stuff? I think in terms of writing that about summary, you want a hook. So you want something that's going to grab their attention and really got them in. And once you've got that, it's then draining into a bit more of the detail around what's the product that you're trying to point them to or what are the services you're trying to highlight. It's things that you offer as a sort of a core base for your business because they're the things that they're going to start to go oh you could help me with that oh that's worth knowing that's interesting and the thing which a lot of people really miss there are two things which they miss when it comes to writing their about summary the first one is it isn't all about you anymore you are thinking about your client 
So you're talking to them, talk to them on a one-to-one basis in the same way as you would on a website. And it's about starting that conversation. So I think it's important to have that in the back of your mind. This is now starting a conversation with somebody about why might they want to get in touch with me. The other thing that people miss in their about summary and on their profile generally. So if you've got creator mode, then you know there are ways of kind of linking in your website and or pointing them to a lead magnet or pointing them to a sign up for an email, you know, any of those sorts of things. But even within your about summary, give them a call to action. Tell them where to go next. Because what I see, and I see this a lot on websites, on profiles, is there's some amazing information there. It's brilliant. And you'll be going through it. And then it might say something like, give us a call. But then there's no telephone number and there's no link to be able to give them a call. So give them that next step, but make it clear what that is. So is it, you know, book a calendar slot with you? Is it go and download something? Is it drop you a DM? Whatever it is that you want them to do, that needs to be in there. And make sure that first point of contact really works for you. That's the other piece of advice that I kind of give people. Because again, I talk to a lot of people who go, oh, well, they could email or they could phone or well, they could drop me a message. I'm like, yeah, but which one do you want them to do? Because this is your business and this is about finding your people. So the people who want to do business in the way that you want to do business will be quite happy to send them a direct message or they might be quite happy to book an academy call. The people who don't want to do that, not your people because they don't want to go down the process that really works for you and gets the best out of you. So for me, everybody books in a call. I have an introductory call with everybody that I work with because for me, that's the best way of really understanding whether or not we're going to work well together and making sure that I can give them what they actually need. Because sometimes I'll speak to somebody and go, I'm not the right person. I'm not the person you need. You need to speak to somebody like... It's about making sure that your business works for you. So put a call to action in there, give them the next step, but make sure it's one that you want them to take, not that you think they should have. Absolutely. No, it's really good advice. People should take that up. I know from our website and our process, we have a few different kind of calls to action. Anyone could be hearing it. Anyone could be reading it. Then it's to the website to services page on the Get More HR Clients website because that page segments into different markets, whether that's HR tech or HR consultants or people wanting to start their HR business. But if I know I'm speaking to a specific audience, whether that be in writing or audio, whatever it may be, then I might send them to the next stage within that. But that stage will have information about what would happen when they book a call. It also tells them who should not book a call. If this is not you, please don't book a call because it's going to get cancelled or we're going to send you in a different direction or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's really important to fit your business and operations, lifestyle, whatever it may be. The other interesting thing you mentioned there was around the hook. And for people like us in the marketing, copywriting world, hook is kind of a natural term. But in journalism, they say don't bury the lead, which is the most important bit. Don't bury that down in the fifth paragraph. Open with it. And I'm guilty of it, forgetting it sometimes of that hook, for instance, on LinkedIn posts and things like that. But it's just such a crucial thing that when someone reads the opening line, they go, oh, this is interesting. Every line has a job of making them read further into the page. Is that a fair summary? It's exactly that. It's no different from if you look at your inbox, right? You open your email inbox and you scan through, you know, the headings that are in there. 
which ones do you pick up on? And that's the kind of thing you're looking for is what makes you open that email? What makes you click more? What's going to make, and specifically, what's going to make your client do that? So if you're talking to somebody and you know that they've got a particular problem or a particular aspiration, that's the thing you want to tap into because that's the thing they are either most scared about or most excited about. Personally, I prefer to go with the most excited. That just works better for me. And I think that's partly to do with what I'm selling and the people that I'm working with because it's about them building up their business. But for some HR people, actually, the whole don't expose yourself to risk, kind of, you know, these are some of the challenges that you might be facing if you're not getting this right. The non-compliance angle can work really well. But again, it comes down to you and your personal style and whether or not that's a message you would normally hammer home if you're having that conversation with somebody. Because if that isn't the way that you would approach it in a conversation with someone, don't do it in your about summary. And one of the other pieces of advice that I give to people, particularly when it comes to trying to find their own voice, is record yourself. Hmm. So record yourself talking to somebody else, explaining that issue to somebody else, whether that's on a Zoom call, whether it's just you know chattering into your phone and sort of doing it as a voice note somewhere. Because you'll then start to pick up on the phrases that you actually use. And if you have somebody in your head of, when I was speaking to so-and-so, you know, about this issue a couple of weeks ago, how did I explain it to them? What sorts of things did I say? Mm. You'll then start to pick up on, I don't talk about absence management. I talk about people being off sick. Mm -hmm. I talk about needing to support them back into the workplace. I need to talk about reasonable adjustments. And reasonable adjustments is one of those jargon phrases that you might want to avoid for the purposes of your about summary. But if you start to pick up on what you use, you can then start to drop that into your copies, your working through it as well. And that's one of my top tips when it comes to trying to get it into the voice that you want to use, because very often the types of people we're talking to, Ben, it's about them and their own voice quite yeah. often. And that's a good way of helping you replicate it. Yeah, that's really good advice. And back when we did a lot more networking in the world, if you went around to different business events and people say, what do you do? I think you probably adjust it because you react to people's yeah. reactions. You see that they frown at certain things or they smile at certain things or they lean in at certain things. And so, yeah, absenteeism management. Wow, that sounds thrilling. But look, I just help you know businesses where they're struggling to keep people turning up to work every day or whatever it may be. That's just so important to get focused in on their needs and wants. What about questions that arise? I guess one of the big ones that you might hear from consultants is, how do I stand out? So let's focus in on HR consultants. I know we can yep. cover diversity, inclusion, recruitment, et cetera. But for this example, HR consultants, it's someone who's got 15 years experience or whatever it is, and they've done a bunch of different jobs and a bunch of different HR stuff. How do they make themselves look different in their LinkedIn profile? A lot of that is to do with their approach and what they want to focus on. So there are literally thousands and thousands of HR consultants in the world. Every time I have a quick look at how many connections I've got that are HR consultants or have it in their LinkedIn title, you know, you kind of go, and how do you do that? There's two ways that you can do it. One is you start with being clear on what is it about you that attracts people to you. And you can ask people for feedback on that. So speak to your existing clients. You know, what was it that made you pick me? 
what was it about my approach that made you say, yeah, I'm the right person for you? And take that feedback. Look at recommendations that people have written for you, because again, they'll use some of the phrases in there that make you go, oh yeah, that's what I'm good at. And try and lift some of that into that messaging and be consistent around it. You know, that's one thing that you can look at is not everyone offers a retained package. Not everyone wants to tackle the HR admin side of things. Some people want to deal with the strategy side of it. Some people are reward specialists and love a spreadsheet. I've got a lady I've been working with recently. She's an EDI specialist, but she's very focused on, you know, get the data and make decisions based on the data. So for her, that's her selling point is she focuses on helping you to understand where you are so that you can then have a plan to move forward. So that is one thing that you can do is, is understand why people choose you. The other thing is actually be active on LinkedIn. So all you've got to do is post a couple of times a week. That's it. Just a couple of times a week. And you're already ahead of the game. So I think when it comes to writing on LinkedIn, there's this myth, particularly within the HR world, that you have to you know, share your deepest, darkest secrets for people to get to know you. And to me, that's just rubbish. Because you don't do that in work. And people get to know you and they work well with you. And they'll know bits and pieces of information about, you know, you might have a dog. You might be going on holiday or you might have just come back from somewhere amazing. But you don't have to share your deepest, darkest secrets on LinkedIn. What you have to do is show people why they might want to work with you. So you show them that you've got knowledge around your particular subject of expertise. You talk to them about case studies and you can, you know, amend them and use a bit of creative license to protect the innocent or guilty. You can talk about things that you have done and how you've resolved a problem. You can take things like upcoming legislation and talk to them about, well, why does that matter to them in their business? But you can also talk about things that you know they're interested in. So if you've got a whole bunch of clients who regularly follow F1, you can talk about that. If that's something that's important to you, you can talk about that. If you are a keen baker, then you might want to share something about, you know, something that you made at the weekend. Yeah, you know, for me, I talk a lot about things to do with my toddler because he absorbs a lot of my life that isn't <laughs> when I'm working, right? <laughs> but I don't put like loads of photos of him up there. I don't go into vast amounts to detail, but there'll be an odd anecdote here and there of something he's come out with and you just go, where did it come from? Yeah. But what's the balance on that personal versus... I don't know, business work focused stuff. That's entirely up to you because that depends on how you run your business. So if you have a relationship with your clients, which is 80% professional and 20% personal, reflect that in your LinkedIn posts. The other thing you can do is not just post, but comment. So I think that's the other thing is one of the things that can help you even more than posting to a large degree is commenting on other people's stuff. Because LinkedIn is a social network and they want it to grow as a social network. So I see lots of people, you know, not just HR people, but generally within my feed who will take a post that somebody else has written and just repost it. No context about why they thought it was interesting. Nothing about, you know, this could be a really great opportunity for somebody or anything like that. Just repost. If you want to start adding into the conversation, a really easy way of doing that is when you're reposting, add a bit of context around 
why it was relevant to post. Why are you sharing that? Who are you sharing it for? Who are you sending it to? Who do you want to actually get benefit from that information? Yeah. And start to use it and start to engage in the conversation, even if you only do it 10 minutes on the days that you're actually working. It doesn't take much to start to build it up. And mm. reposting is never going to get as much reach as if you post yourself. But equally, if it's a nice, easy way of starting to get you into the rhythm of posting, and I always say, be consistent, not constant. So if you can commit to posting twice a week, post twice a week. Yeah. You don't have to be on there five days a week. You just need to get into the habit of actually posting something. It helps you to start to engage and then other people will start to see your comments. If somebody's got a thread about something where you've got a real interest in it or you've got particular expertise in it, jump on there and add a useful statement to it rather than just going like, dislike, you know, actually engage in the conversation because LinkedIn ultimately rewards you for doing that because it wants you to help build that social aspect of the network. Yeah. I mean, one thing we tell our clients is get the LinkedIn app, put on your phone, and if you happen to buy a coffee and you're standing in the queue or you're waiting in the queue at the shop or something, just use those five minutes to throw some comments in and boom, you're exactly. done. Exactly. Easy yeah, It doesn't have to be more than that, particularly yeah. when you're starting out. I think when you're yeah. starting out, it's daunting. So it's just about how do I get into a bit of a rhythm? But I like the idea of reposting stuff with a comment as a way of dipping your toe in the water. That yeah. It's not as good as the original content, but it's a good way to get the momentum to get the, what was it? Consistency as opposed to... Consistent, not constant. That's right. That's it. <laughs> I believe you've got a, a bit of a freebie, your 25 LinkedIn post ideas for HR consultants. And if it's okay with you, I'll share the link to that in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. But I mean, the name is on the tin. So 25 LinkedIn post ideas for HR consultants. So some prompts there, I guess, right? To... Yeah. So it's prompts. Again, one of the things that people struggle with is what do I write about? So I've written it specifically for people in the HR world, because I think you do get stuck a bit and you kind of go, what can I write about? But the more that you can tap into things that you get excited about and that you genuinely feel you have something to say, actually the easier the writing gets too. So it's got things in there like, what's the best project you've worked on? You know, and thinking yeah. about, well, why was that the best project? Why did you enjoy it? And what did you get out of it? What sort of clients do you like working with? What sorts of clients don't you like working with? Because actually sometimes ruling them out yes. also really helpful. Yeah, and you can talk about things that kind of drive you nuts when it comes to working with people. But there's also things in there about if there are legislative changes coming up, you know, what are you writing about that? And don't just think about bashing them over the head with a non-compliance stick, you know, thinking about that a little bit more broadly. So yeah, I've basically structured it around five different themes. So there's kind of five themes with five items under each one if you want to post every day you've got the best part of a month's worth of content that you can then just keep cycling and go back to the next project that you worked on that you really loved or you know the next client that you've had a great time with or finding a testimonial from somebody else that you could share with the world that kind of thing Brilliant. well if it's okay with you i'll share it in the show notes i'll also stick it into the hr business accelerator platform for yeah, our clients sure. so they can have access because i think that's great sounds really good can you also tell us about rephrase what is rephrase so rephrase is a product that i've got which is a copy review product so it's a one-to-one -one zoom call that i do with clients which helps them to try and find their voice so I do it as a live review of any copy that they've written. So they might want to bring a web page. They might want to bring 
a blog post, it might be their profile that they've kind of had a go at, but where they're still struggling to go, yeah, that still doesn't sound like me. Yeah. And what we do is we work through it on a one-to-one basis. We kind of go through within an hour as much as we can talking about that and actually making changes live while we're there. So I'll ask questions and say, well, what are you trying to get out of this bit? And where does this sort of fit in? And we'll do some digging to make sure that I'm clear on what they're trying to get to and kind of who they're talking to right at the outset. And then we work through as much of that as we can. So they've then got an updated version that they'll take away and maybe tweak and edit a little bit. And there might be some other bits that they need to kind of add into it. But it gives them a much stronger feeling of, yeah, that sounds like me now. You know, that is the message I want to get across. That is what I want to say. And hey, yeah, it doesn't sound like I'm a corporate robot anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I quite like it. So Yeah. yeah, that's what I use it for. That's cool. And in my time on the marketing side, in HR and well, across all sorts of different businesses, so many times I've seen the performance of specific pages sometimes double or more in conversion rates. So if you've got better copy on there, more people take action, whether that's buy your stuff, book your call, sign up to a free thing, but having better copy there and having it reviewed and so on like that, I think could, for a small fee, to suddenly just double your conversion rate is huge. So if you've got 20 people visiting a page and previously you had five people taking action, whatever that action was, suddenly you've got 10. If that doesn't pay for itself, then I don't know what does. So (laughs) do check that out. So finally, just to wrap it up, Katie, thank you very much for sharing all the excellent advice on the LinkedIn profile side of things. Just for people to know, what is Katie Joe copywriting and you know what kind of services do you do for people in the HR world? So Case Joe Copywriting is a copywriting service, mainly focused on done for you, but there are a few kind of do-it-yourself products in there as well. So I've got a course that I'm going to be launching over the summer, actually. But most of it is around taking what you need. So whether that's your websites, whether it's profiles, case studies as well, actually can be a really good thing to get into to kind of showcase why you're so amazing at what you do. And basically, I'll go through, ask you some questions, get some information, and then pull it all together for you and write your copy so that, you know, with the aim of getting those conversions and getting those sales through the door, then things like emails and stuff like that are also, you know, things that we can look at and supporting you with. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. Okay. So if you're listening to this on the go, check the show notes for the links to the freebie and to Katie Joe copywriting, et cetera, and also to Katie on LinkedIn. But yeah, Katie, thank you very much for sharing. It's such an important area for consultants and people running business in the HR world to know about. So really appreciate your time today. Thank you. That's been great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.